This is Still Rowing, a podcast where members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints share their authentic stories of struggle and triumph on their journey of discipleship, and just why they are choosing faith in the restored Church of Jesus Christ. Welcome to the Still Rowing Podcast. I'm your host, Tara McCausland, and welcome, Leland. I'm so excited to have this time with you tonight. Thank you, Tara. Uh, Leland has a remarkable story, and I appreciate, Leland, your your faith and your desire to follow Jesus Christ. I know it's not been an easy road for you, um, but I know that those who will listen to this will be blessed by your story. But would you mind just telling us a little bit about yourself, some of your interests, where you're from? Well, you know, I um, I grew up in Beaver, Utah. My family were, you know, traditional pioneer heritage, pioneer family, you know, people. And, and then I moved away to Anchorage, Alaska, Tucson, Arizona. And then I lived in Las Vegas for about 38 years. And um, I came back to St. George for six years in that time, in the 90s. You know, just trying to... um recover from my salty past, which I'll elaborate on more, but I loved living in Beaver. I um, learned a lot of those pioneer trades. Like this, this week I've been canning. I made some <laughs> pineapple jam. Way I to go. Plum cherry jalapeno jelly. Um, and um, getting ready to do some peach and some peach hatch chili jelly. So wow. um, I just, that's, that's been a good, a good therapeutic thing for me. It kind of takes me back to my roots, you know, I'm like, okay, I'm like the old pioneer man, you know? <laughs> And um, I'm real active in um, the ARP. <clears throat> um, that's an addiction recovery program through the church and um, some different 12 step programs. Um, hmm. and, then, and, you know, this is all this is all new to me because mm-hmm. I, you know, I left the church for 38 years and probably was not the best advocate for many of those years. And um, I don't know. Now, I, now I'm back. It's funny how it, everything just happens all at once. You know, they say good things happen, great things happen all at once, and, and and great things are happening. And it's a little scary sometimes and confusing, you know. But but I'm still rolling. So <laughs> <laughs> yes, you are. You are still rowing. Maybe we'll go back. We'll rewind a little bit uh, into that time when you were growing up in Beaver and your your adolescence. And so, can you can you tell us more about your your family of origin? And perhaps how your experiences during your adolescence impacted your relationship with God and with the church. You know, I was when I was six years old, you know, I lived in a little place called Manderfield on the outskirts of Beaver, Utah. In a farming community, all alfalfa, dairy cattle, range cattle, horses, rabbits, chickens, pigs, you know. And um, so anyway, we had a, an axe. My brother and I, well, and I were out herding some of the animals and one of our horses reared up and shattered my skull. I was six years old and I, that just caused all this drama for my family that we'd never heard about. And you know, I think that's when a lot of things changed in my life. And um, you know, I, I survived obviously and you know, my, um, but I think that changed my, my, you know, my mother became very overprotective. My dad worked really hard to pay the hospital bill and mm-hmm. my brother blamed himself for the rest of his life. And, um, but you know, I think that moment, um, just made me extra sensitive to the spirit. I've always been close to the spirit. I might have doubted the church, but I never doubted God. You know, I just knew he was always, always there. And I was like, well, he had to be. He promised me he would be, you know. And he doesn't it didn't matter what I was like, you know, but um growing up there was um 
hmm, there's so many beautiful things about it and then just so many horrible things about it, you know? Um, as I grow up, you know, because of the, I couldn't do a lot of the, the things the other kids were doing, you know? I had to be careful because, you know, I had a head surgery. They didn't do plate, you know, they just, some part of my skull was just kind of waiting to grow back together. And, um, and as, you know, as, as those years passed, you know, and I was kind of, I was just restricted from doing the other boy games, you know, the kickball, the football, the baseball, anything that was going to risk me getting hit in the head, plus an overprotective mother, you know, that, mm. but she couldn't help it. I couldn't blame her. You know, it was like her, her chick, you know, was um, at risk. And um, anyway, that just changed everything. And by the time I could do the other boy things, I always call them the boy things. Um, I just, I had no interest in that anymore. You know, I was like, well, no, I want to be an interior designer. I want to make my sister have a pretty dollhouse. I want to, you know, just, I developed some effeminate characters, hence the canning. <laughs> I was always in the <laughs> my mom, my aunts, my grandma's gardening or the flower beds. And just, you know, that was, that was just my thing. And being out in the country, you know, I just, I'd wander through and just dig up plants and come home and just, that was just kind of me, you know? Needless to say, um, that wasn't very popular with um, the men in my life or the other guys in school. You know, I was probably like probably like a lot of gay kids, and I, I didn't even know I was gay. You know, I knew I liked the other boys, but you know, they just tease and call you names and just total ridicule and humiliation. You know, uh, before and most of the time, I didn't even know why they were saying it, but I had a feeling because I knew how I felt inside. But I'm like, well, how do they know? You know, I just all of a sudden felt like my whole life I had felt transparent because of that. I just felt like it was so obvious, you mm. know, it's like, oh my gosh, they all know what's going on. And even though I didn't know what that looked like or what it meant. And then when I was about 14, I remember, um, you know, I did the baptism, you know, got baptized, did all the, just everything that good little Mormon boys and Mormon kids do, or pardon me, Latter-day Saints, you know, um, I just followed that. Not knowing what it all meant, that's just what I was supposed to do because that's what everybody was doing. And um, I'm not sure that's changed for kids today. You know, what does it really mean to get baptized? And um, anyway, when I was 14, um, all of a sudden I just, I was walking, there was a lane where I lived, you know, it was like a mile. We'd just walk around that and we called it the lane. And I was just talking to the Lord and I'm like, you know, Heavenly Father, I just, I can't do this anymore. I'm lying to you. I'm lying to myself. And I just, I need to go explore these feelings inside. I don't get it. I don't have anything to talk to. I don't understand it. And um, I'd already experimented with, you know, some of the other, the other guys. And um, that was just really where my, des that's where my desire, you know, led. And so I just, I literally felt the spirit shift from me at that time. Didn't leave me, but he just shifted from inside. You know how we, he's always inside us and he just shifted and, oh, and I just wept, you know, I was just like, I'm so sorry, Heavenly Father, but I'm lying to you. I'm lying to everybody. And I just can't mm -hmm. do it. I can't take it anymore. And um, so I came out to the Lord, <laughs> like he didn't know, you know? Right. And, um, and then by the time I was 16 or 17, I, I just, I left the church completely. In a small town, I think you see the hypocrisy more or my own insecurities made me view it that way. I'm not really sure which way it was, maybe a little bit of both, because I think the Lord blesses us with a spirit of discernment for our own safety mm. and our own preservation, I guess. Kids were kids. You know, they couldn't help that. They're just, just what they do. Even myself, this kid was mean to me. So I was mean to this kid here. And, and it took me years to, years and years to forgive that and to forgive myself, you know, for being so bitter towards them. And it was, you know, 
that all led to not understanding or having anybody to talk to. I think it's really important that we, that young people know they can talk to people. It's like mom, dad, bishop, whoever. I have this same gender attraction. You know, I need to, what do I do with this? Where do I go from here? You know, and I didn't have anybody to talk to. And I think that led to, um, to numbing out through drugs and alcohol and just doing anything to feel better about myself. And, and, you know, and through all that also, you know, I developed this insatiable sexual appetite. You know, I just, I had, that's how I validated myself. Oh my gosh, well, if I do this or do this, you know, they're going to like me. They're going to like me better. And, oh, such a lie, you know, but you just, you believe all that. You know, I believed all that. You know, I can only speak for myself. And, um, but something just, I really believe that if, if the young people today have somebody to talk to and can explain to them that, you know, well, this is how you feel. And that's, just, I don't know why, God only knows why, you know, we feel that way, but there's certain ways you can handle that. There's certain ways of, you know, you don't want to go down a dark path just because you feel this way, you know, and I did, I didn't know, I didn't know any other choice. I just lived in the gay world for 40 years, you know, mm-hmm. and not that it was all dark, you know, but I look at it now and it seems that way. I'm like, well, gosh, when I lived in it, it was pretty festive, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Some things that stood out to me just from what you shared, I really appreciate that while you stepped away from the church, you always felt that that God was a part of your life and you didn't question his reality or perhaps even his or your value in his sight. Would you say that's true, that you felt that you were valuable to God even through that period? Well, you know, there... I knew that he loved me, but did I feel valuable? Not really. I think my self-esteem, you know, was, was shattered a lot. I didn't, I didn't have any really. Mm. I, I don't always turn to drugs or validation through somebody else. I mean, but I always, I mean, I prayed to him all the time, you know, and, and, and now I, now my prayers are more grateful back then. I think they were more pleading, you know, come down off a drug binge and some, crazy sex binge, you know, and just, um, oh, I'd just be beaten. You know, my spirit was crushed. The Holy Spirit was crushed. My spirit inside was crushed, you know, because they're, they're connected. And yeah, and I would just, I would just plead to the Lord, you know, to forgive me and to help me out of it and help me out of it. And, you know, he um, helped me through a lot of those times. I can remember times um, getting held up or just being in the wrong places at the wrong time. And I just would feel the spirit with me. You know, I was like, don't be afraid, you know, and one time I'm getting held up and they're like, well, we have a gun. We'll shoot you. You know, and I'm like, well, I guess you'll just have to shoot me. <laughs> you know, I don't have what you're looking for. And um, they just stopped. And then one of them comes and punches me in the face. And I punch him back, get in the car and run. He runs over to the car and rips a bracelet off my arm while I'm getting in there. And I was so pissed off. I get in the car, turn around and chase him down in the car. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, it's so crazy. But um, I didn't get shot. <laughs> and then he told me, you know, don't be, don't be afraid. And I'm like, are you crazy? I mean, I just, there's a lot of stories like that, that maybe I don't know if they're appropriate <laughs> program, but you know, there, there's been times when um the spirit came over one time I was getting the crap kicked out of me, you know, like a, a gay bashing and, um, and I'm a big man. So there's just two of them just beating the crap out of me. And, and all of a sudden I just had this calmness and I turned around and I mean, they broke a bottle over my head, just all kinds of crazy stuff. And um, all of a sudden I was just calm. And I turned around, I'm like, why are you doing this? I was trying to help you. And I just, this, this might sound crazy. I just, these, just I felt this present behind me, just like this huge wings, just rare right behind me and just protecting me. And, um, and they just dropped what they were doing and just took off running, you know? And then I just collapsed. I was just like, wow. But I just, I felt this, I felt the, 
don't know, are they angels of the Lord? Was it the spirit of the Lord? Maybe I'm a little crazy, you know, that kick in the head and all, but I felt it, you know? And I, well, I think, I think as believers, people probably think we're a little crazy anyway, because God does miraculous things in our lives, mm-hmm. you know, and not everybody goes around talking about them and, you know, and it's like, well, maybe we should, you know, he yeah. does miracles in our lives every day. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know? I think that there's sometimes a misconception that when we, when we leave the church, that somehow God is no longer going to work in our lives. And so if we have loved ones who have left the church, sometimes I think people are afraid that they're out of the picture. And I think that's, that's incorrect. God loves all of his children, no matter where they are at on the path. And, and as you suggested, there was some preservation there, even when you were in, in some situations that perhaps you shouldn't have put yourself in and, um, and God still loved you and valued you then as he does now. But the other thing that I wanted to bring up was that I think as you described, you just didn't see a way forward with what you were experiencing with, with same-sex attraction and being a member of the church. And you felt like you didn't have a choice to be able to reconcile the two. And and I, I would love as we continue our discussion for you to explain more about how you have and are reconciling those two aspects of your life and why it's worth it. There's probably a lot that that we could talk about as far as your life um, before returning to the church. But what I really want to focus on is what ultimately brought you back to a life of of faith. Again, in God, I know that was still there, but, uh, but activity in the church and wanting to be a part of this organization. So what point would you say the Lord was trying to bring you back into the fold? When did you notice that? Well, okay. So probably 2014, 2015. And I would, um, I was still living in Vegas, had a boyfriend that I had for 15 years. We lived together, had a business, you know, had our home, just had my life going on. And um, I wasn't doing well because I just, you know, all the misspent youth had caught up to my health and didn't know what was going on. Doctors didn't diagnose anything. And anyway, um, all of a sudden I just, I always love Christian music. It just elevates my soul. Not even necessarily LDS Christian music, just good old singing about Jesus rock and roll kind of, <laughs> you know, I'd listened to a lot of Joel Olstein. And um, cause he is like the happiest preacher I've ever heard in my whole life, <clears throat> in my life. I just love that guy. <clears throat> and he was part of the, part of my salvation, a big part of it. And um, so, in 2017, um, sell my business, sell my house, break up with my boyfriend, move back to St. George because I need to be with my, the Lord was telling me, you need to be home. And um, I get home and um, the very next day after I move here and everything's put in storage, um, I end up in the emergency room for two days in ICU and five days in the hospital with COPD and AFib and just all these misspent youth catching up. Um, then, um, Six weeks later, my mom goes to be with the Lord. And all of a sudden, like the Lord, the Lord made it perfectly clear why I was here. Because he and my mother were married 63 years. And here my dad, she did everything, you know, he worked, brought home the money, did the thing, you know, it was the very 1950s mom and dad thing. And, you know, old um old pioneer marriages, you know, they just they just hang in there. They stay married until they die and and loved each other and raised a family. And you know, we're still in the temple, the whole all that stuff. And um so all of a sudden, I, that's like one, you know, I'm like, okay, okay, Lord, I'm listening. Then all of a sudden, kind of recovering from being ill and my mother passing away. And my life literally just changed. Everything changed completely. And um, 
I would go to Beaver and hang out with my cousins and just kind of reflect because that's that's where my healing is. You know, that's my healing spot on the planet. And you know, it's funny you go back to a, a place that was so brutal, but it really wasn't. There was really a lot more love there than I gave it credit for. And um, and I'm coming back to St. George, and the spirit prompts me. You know, I was still drinking coffee, but didn't smoke. I quit smoking in 2017 and hadn't done other drugs and stuff for years, but didn't matter. The residual side effects were still there. And all of a sudden, um, the spirit's like, you need to stay and go up to the Ponderosa picnic area. That's like my, my hallowed ground. It's just such a special spot. And, um, and I listened and I go back, check into the hotel, throw all my crap in the room and go right, just go right there. And I'm standing on the bridge, taking pictures to send to Jesse. He was my ex. And, um, all of a sudden I hear this voice and it's like Leland. And I turn around and I'm like, oh my gosh, I know this guy. And I just, I couldn't place it. And I don't, I don't know how he recognized me because I was 70 pounds heavier at that time. I, mean, I was over 300 pounds and, um, but he recognized me and I was like, oh, and we just start talking and turns out he's the bishop and he was my, and anyway, it was Kenny, he was my old boss. And um, so I just tell my story and he's like, oh, well go talk to so-and-so, they're back at the store and we'll find you something to do a few days a week. And, um, and that's what I knew them from when I lived here in the 90s. Um, so anyway, I go there and he gives me the book, Believing Christ. And I'm reading the book and I'm like, it really resonated with me because I'm probably more of a storefront Latter-day Saint than, you know, I just, I, I don't think we stand in praise enough, you know? Um, so so anyway, that, that just started changing things. And then this neighborhood that my parents live in which was another thing, you know, my, my mom was just insistent that I didn't buy a house and I just stay with them and take my time. You know, moms know, she's just like, yeah, this guy's not right. You know, there was something going on and there was. And, and um, but this neighborhood, every neighbor was just so kind and so loving. And then when my mom passed away, watching how the Bishop, Bishop Simmons had handled the funeral and how the release of the society ladies and my mom's visiting teachers, ministering sisters, just stepped up to the plate and just, kept an eye on us and just took care of things and you know and I just tell the truth you know, okay well I'm this gay man I used to go to church and you know and I just I, I, there, there is no place for me you know and um so time goes by and then all of a sudden in the next the next Thanksgiving weekend like 2018 I'm driving around and I'd go on these walks over in one of the parks here there's just millions of places to walk here in St. George and um this song comes on um, Little Drummer Boy by For King and Country. And it's this most, most wonderful version I'd ever heard of this song. And it just hits me how they're not singing about a drummer boy at all. They're singing about this humanity's heart, you know, and how the newborn king, you know, came here and just gave his heart for us. And it just, the song has just this whole new meaning to me. And next thing I know that Sunday, I'm sitting in the back row at sacrament meeting. And I just <laughs> keep going and I just keep going. And, then the neighbors are like, sit by us. I'm like, nope, I'm good in the back. I'll just sit here and out that door as soon as it's over. And then, then I'm persuaded by my neighbors are just so amazing. This is so Heavenly Father. You know, just everything was planned. Everything. I mean, and, um, so I end up going to start going to priesthood meeting in Sunday school. And um, then my one neighbor persuades me to um, go see the bishop. And I'm like, oh, I don't need to go see the bishop. Really, I'm good. We're moving along just fine. And, <laughs> and he's like, he's like, no, really. So I called Bishop Simmons and make an appointment. And uh, he's like, okay, two weeks. Well, two weeks go by and first bishop meeting and 
bishop interview in 38 years, and it's a new bishop, and um, and it's Bishop Plum, and it's his first day, and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is my first time seeing a bishop in 38 years, and we just had the most incredible. I think we've talked for over an hour, you know, and um, and we just we just had this remarkable bond. You know, Heavenly Father put him there just for me, you know, and he thought come to find out just a few months ago and this and this was in 2018 come to find out that he had always seen me coming to church and he's just like oh my gosh that guy just glows that guy just has such a light and a smile and i'm like oh, me i'm like well, of course i do you know that's i'm just joyful god gave me a joyful nature and and he thought the first counselor came to get me and i'm like no bishop simmons made an appointment you know so that was just kind of interesting there how that really happened and mm -hmm. You know, I think I think Heavenly Father puts bishops in our in our path. You know, so anyway, that it's a long story. Just so much happened. Next thing I know, I'm giving the Melchizedek priesthood, and then I'm challenged to go do um, baptisms for the dead at the temple because I could only get a I couldn't get a multi pass. I could only get the little pass, and you know, and I'd go do the <laughs> go do the baptisms for the dead, which was really awkward. But the people were so wonderful. They're like, you know, just, you know, well, you can do the baptism. You can baptize them because, you know, it's always these little kids. And my bishop too, he's like, I'll pick you up and take you so you don't feel uncomfortable. And, um, and I went the Thursday before because I'm like, well, you know, I just can't have this man come to pick me up and hold my hand and go do baptisms. But he shows up Saturday with his kids at six o'clock or five o'clock in the morning with his kids to go and do baptisms with me to make me feel more comfortable. And I'm like, well, I went Thursday all by myself and it was awesome. And, you know, but that just really started, everything started shifting, you know, and just going back on the temple grounds and the miraculous things, just little miracles that were miracles to me, you know, the Lord, things I'd pray about and the Lord's like, well, here you go. And here you go. And here you go. And it's just, you know, he's true. He's true blue. And he's like, he doesn't care what I am or who I am or where I'm at. He just cares that I'm trying to do the best I can do. He doesn't care if I'm gay or he doesn't care if I'm straight or black or white or, you know, or old or young. He just, doesn't care about that he cares about how he just cares about me and, and and I think he finds joy in me wanting to help the next person and help the next man and help the next sister and just learn learn what that's all about exciting it's just really an exciting thing for me mm -hmm. you know, living in it and the gay world is fascinating and exciting and pretentious and fun and just all these carnal things it was very carnal i guess you know by christian standards it's totally the epitome of carnality <laughs> you know it's just like wow and um and i'm glad i got to go through a lot of that and i'm glad that um because that that helped me help make me who i am and i have a testimony and experience that you know we can come from that i came from that anybody can come out of, you know and it do i don't stop being gay i just stopped doing the behaviors that came with it Christ don't care. He, he just wants us back. You know, that's all. Yeah. He just, I love what you said at the end there, Christ just wants us back and he wants our heart. Um, and in fact, I was reading something recently from a fellow named Anthony sweat, who, um, is a BYU professor, but in relation to our come follow me study in, in doctrine and covenant 76, he was just saying, you know, understanding the, the great plan that God has for all of his children, we see that because of Jesus Christ, we don't have to do perfection. We just have to do loyal because Christ, he's the perfect one. And he's the one that brings us along and, and will make us holy. If we will give him our heart and our loyalty and our effort 
Some days that might look like maybe barely dragging ourselves into church, <laughs> mustering just a whisper of a prayer, but he, he knows our hearts. And I think he saw that in you, that you loved him at every point in your life. And he has reciprocated that in, in showing you that he had and has had a plan for you all along. So you described the lifestyle that you were living as exciting and pretentious. And there were a lot of things that were formative for you in that former life. But can you tell me as you've made this transition and you're, you've come back into the church and you're going to the temple, well, not right now, but <laughs> I've been going to the temple and receiving the priesthood. How has your life changed? What, what's the most pronounced blessing that has come to you as you have made those changes in your life? You know, I'm probably going to say my, my, my sense of self-worth, my, mm-hmm. my value and my, um, my patriarchal blessing had said that, you know, I would develop marvelous friendships and, um, and I think it said through that you have at work or something like that, but, but all of a sudden I've developed these friendships with them. Um, it, it was a lot for me to learn how to just make friends because they, you know, I maybe had this many friends, a handful of friends, um, in that lifestyle, lots of acquaintances, lots of party friends, and everything dealt around drugs and sex. And um, for me, not, I'm not saying the whole gay world was that way, but it was for me. Um, and, I, and I had to learn how to trust and make friends and how to make men friends um, without those other preliminary deals. You know, I was like, oh my gosh. And um, I go to a group called Sons of Sacrifice. It's through Minamoroni and Sons of Helaman. And it's a non-LDS, LDS group. You know, um, and and that's really helped me learn, you know, learn to trust men again. How to how to um, fight the battles every day, and you know, learning to fight, learning a spirit of discernment, being aware of what's going on in my life. Just so many things have happened. This is it's all everything's changed, everything completely. You know, from from being popular to um, you know, um, well here I am, you know, just living a life of celibacy and being happy with that. And, you know, which I'm not always happy about that all the time, you know, but, you know, they don't have to identify as gay or same-sex attraction or a homosexual or, you know, just, I can just be me. You know, I can just be a son of God and, you know, we, we all have something, you know. So you mentioned feeling a greater sense of self-worth. Is there anything else that you could say that what's made this shift worthwhile in your life? Because you've given up a lot. What have you gained in this process that you feel like has made it worth it for you? Well, filling the Holy Spirit more regularly, you know, mm-hmm. from, from 14 when he shifted outside of me to as a 2019 when I started filling him back in, back in my heart again, you know, which all through the, all through the years, he'd always, you know, how you get, when you get overwhelmed by the spirit, you know it, you know, and mm-hmm. feel it. there's just no denying it. And um, I really like that a lot. And then the fact that I can trust my intuition that I can be of service to somebody else. And the fact that I want to go help people more genuinely, I want to just, you know, how can I help you today? Lord, what can I do for you today? Hmm. I mean, I still get beat up with a lot of those, you know, Satan just wants to kick our, kick our trash every day. You know, he's just, those old thought processes from my old lifestyle are constant. And I had to battle those constantly and knowing that the Lord is there 
and he really will. I have to keep some of them. I think that um, what what is this? What is the scripture? And he's like, you know, I give you is it Alma or he's like, I give you your weaknesses to, you know, to show you your Either. strength. Yeah. Either. Okay. Okay. They're twelve, I think. Yeah, and um, you know, and that's so true. And learning how to um, learning how to embrace that part of me. You know that um that knows all the weaknesses, that knows all the sorrows, that knows all the pains, can actually be used for good. It can actually be turned over, you know, for um for somebody else. Cause like, you know, this we're gonna be all right. This is gonna be okay. You know, I have like God knows what he's doing, you know, and there's just so many things. Hmm. It's my I mean my whole life is completely different. Every everything about it. I don't even really cuss hardly at all anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Which I don't know. Sometimes there's those days. (laughs) Well, that won't keep you out of the pearly gates. (laughs) I don't know anything well, you know? (laughs) Oh, yes. I I say that sarcastically. (laughs) Right, right. But I I think Jesus is just happy we're all showing up, no matter where we're showing up. You know, as long as we're looking towards him and pointing towards him, I think he's good with that. And Cause like I say, you know, it was storefront church and Joel Osteen that kind of directed me back. And, you know, I know a lot of the reasons that I was protected and came through drug abuse and some rather unsavory activities. Um, I know I was spared through those and Heavenly Father was always with me. And I was maybe aware of situations where other people weren't. He spared me through that. And I really honestly, truly believe that's because I was baptized in the church. That's because I was confirmed and received the gift of the Holy Spirit. You know, and I received my ironic priesthood and all those things mattered. All those things really mattered. And they're still there. They'll always be a part of me. And they always were, even when I, even when I refused to see it, you hmm. know, hmm. and, um, and I, and I'm glad that I received the Melchizedek priesthood when I was a 55 year old man, because now I understand that that's, you know, that's a gift. That's something that not everybody has. And that's something we need to, but I say, with great, with great power comes great responsibility. You know, and it's like, okay, well, we, we need to use this responsibly and we can help people and we can bless people. You know, not, not everybody can do that. And again, it doesn't matter if you're same gender attracted or what you are, you know, just as long as you're, as long as you're staying loyal to the Lord, you know, I made promises to Heavenly Father. He's like, okay, I made promises with you. Now let's keep them. You know, Mm -hmm. because it's all about practicing self-control and (laughs) self-purification, you know, just at whatever point we are on the path, I, I know that we can be of service to our fellow men, but that is one of, I believe, the great gifts of being a, an active covenant keeping member of the church is that we can be a great blessing to our fellow men and the joy that can come as a result of that. And so I, I just love that that's one of the things that you reference as being one of the things that makes this, this choice worth it. Um, because I know that that we do find the, our greatest joy in the service of our fellow men. That's been my own experience. Yeah, well, you know, it, it's funny in the old life, I didn't even, I didn't realize that, didn't care about that because it was all about me, you know? And, um, but now service, service is, it's also healing. You know, I, yeah. drug abuse and everything else, I had a lot of healing to go through that I wasn't even aware of, you know? And like the ARP, the addiction recovery program through the um, family services of the church, that has been such, that's the atonement for dummies. It's such a beautiful program. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm like, I think everybody should go to that 12-step program. 
No, I agree. <laughs> yeah, it teaches it teaches you something. It teaches me something every time. And um, and it taught me about the atonement. It taught me about Christ forgiving me, my, forgiving me, and taught me that you know I need to reconcile with myself. I need to forgive myself. And um, but service and connection, and not not so much connecting, but being the connection for somebody else, makes all makes all the difference. You know, mm. you start feeling bad or feeling crappy it's like well you know what maybe i better go do some service maybe i better start being a little more grateful here and get out of my own head out of my own crap because it's so easy to get down in it you know and um and sometimes i just like to sit there i like to sit down in it and kind of say well what is this emotion what's going on and you know and heavenly father honors that okay you linger there too long while he's gonna <laughs> you know i think i think things come about it's like i need to pull out of here you know but mm -hmm. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, so the things that I heard as uh, you were answering that question, feeling a greater measure of the Holy Ghost in your life and being able to trust your intuition, um, a greater sense of self-worth, as you know, you're, you're living according to how God would want you to be. There's such peace that comes as we keep covenants, isn't there? There is. We are enough. Yeah. And I think the more we do that, the better we can stay out of guilt. And shame, yeah. you know, because it's such a changer in society that just, it's just, that's not God. There's just no room for that. Yeah. Oh yeah. If we're feeling tremendous amounts of shame, that's, that's not coming from God. He doesn't ever want us to feel like we are unworthy of his love, no matter where we're at. I believe that. Um, but yeah, we, I think we are better able to feel God's love. The love's always there, but when we are breaking commandments, we are putting up a wall on our end. It's not God, it's us. And the spirit still wants to be, be with us. As you said, like you had many moments where you felt his presence, but he would come and go. And, and we are blessed with the opportunity to have his constant companionship as we keep covenants. Not that he wouldn't want to be with us, but again, the, the covenants keep the door open for God's love and for the spirit to, to be with us. And what a blessing. What a cool thing, right? Well, it truly is. Well, yeah, if we don't recognize him, you know, he's just going to sit there waiting. Mm -hmm. Like like God, he's just waiting for us to weary of ourselves. <laughs> yeah. One of my favorite things. It's just like, oh my gosh. He was just sitting there waiting so patiently. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. He's like, yeah, you're still a son of God. <laughs> What's taking so long? I say this all the time, but God's God's playing the long game with all of us. And I love that in your story, that's that's very apparent. So you were away from the church for 30, 38 years. years. You've been back in into activity since about 2018. Um, yeah, December of 2019, <clears throat> about 2018. And then, um, yeah, 2019, a lot of things happened. I even received my temple endowments one week before the temples closed for COVID. So oh, I get wow. it, go back the next Friday to do some initiatories for a, a neighbor. And um, we're done with the initiatories, do an endowment or two, and then we're leaving and they're like, well, <laughs> you know, and they all know because, you know, it happened in Cedar City and everything was so new because all our temples were under construction or being built. And um, yeah, and they're like, well, you know, this is it. The temples are closing tomorrow. And I was like, oh my gosh, you know? And then I thought, you know, Heavenly Father, thank you, you know, for giving me that because I've only been in church for one year, you know, and, and the bishop's giving me little callings and I'm like, oh, you need to keep me busy because there's a lot going on in there. And, you know. <laughs> And, um, and they did. And then all of a sudden this closes. So 
ARPs shut down, Special Needs Mutual, which is my favorite calling on the entire planet. Um, that's just, that was from Heavenly Father for sure. It wasn't, for, it's not for me. It, they're for, they're, it's for me, <laughs> Special Needs. That's not for them at all. I have nothing to offer them. They have everything to offer me. It's such a wonderful thing. And, but you know, and just everything, that church, Sunday school, sacrament meeting, just everything gone in one day. It's like, oh, I'll shut down. And I'm like, I've only been back to church a week. I mean, a year, <laughs> you know, I've only been back to church for one year. And, and Heavenly Father just remained true blue <clears throat> through the whole thing. Yeah, anyway, so I was just, I was just really grateful how Heavenly Father had already, in that one year, had placed so many people in my life, so many things in my path. I'm a great neighborhood, fantastic bishop, and, <clears throat> and everybody just stayed in touch. And some of me and my ARP friends, we would just get together and we'd have a little get together and we'd still read out the manual and do everything unofficially, but... It didn't matter because we were still seeking the Lord. We were still serving the Lord. We were still praising the Lord. And um, and then I received, um, during that, received a calling to facilitate an ARP meeting during COVID when they went on on the phone, where we started doing phone meetings. And I'm like, gosh, Heavenly Father, that's really awesome that, you know, I, I get a calling and things aren't even going, things aren't even happening, but they, oh, they continue to happen. The Lord stayed busy in all our lives. And it was so amazing that the president of the church, that the prophet, saw this coming he's already pruning us already pruning us you know and and i believe that christ and church and our temple is where we are if we want to be in the mountains wherever we are as long as we're together in his name and we're working toward him that's all that matters he doesn't care what we've done or you know mm -hmm. just come and seek me just knock yeah. i'll answer that door and you know yeah oh absolutely and, one thing that i do love about your story is that you've just had so many excellent people around you that have loved you and supported you along this path. And I, and I do think that's, that is one of the biggest parts of our discipleship as members of the church is to walk with our brothers and sisters wherever they are on the path and, and with love and with patience, I believe many will choose to return. But I wanted to mention that you know, the conversation surrounding LGBTQ issues has changed over the years. And I see the church and its membership doing incrementally better in, in demonstrating understanding and compassion for the LGBT community. As you, as you described, you've received so much support and it can be a hard balance to strike, I think, to continue to sustain the brethren and the doctrine of the family and feel like we're supporting our LGBTQ brothers and sisters for some people. But I'm curious from your point of view, what would you say to people who are leaving as a result of their inability to reconcile the church doctrine and LGBTQ issues. Well, one, I think it's wonderful that that we even have allies, you know. But um, I think I think what people get hung up on a lot, like what used to bother me, was um, we're such a family geared church, and being a <clears throat> same gender attracted man, that's just not going to happen for me. Yet I know a lot of men that have same gender attraction and they're married and have families and they're just, you know, they're just living their life and they're um, going through the same emotional and spiritual and I, I don't know what kind of battle, you know, they're just battles. It's like this, being the same sex attraction and trying not to act on that for the Lord is a big, can of, you know, that's a big thing. It's a big to do. And it's not a church thing. That's a God thing. You know, Heavenly Father is the one that said, you know, a man will marry a woman. And these are my laws. This is this is how my father is speaking to all the churches, just in our church, to all the churches, to all the believers. And you know, I was talking with a friend of mine, and um, 
they were talking, you know, how, how does that affect me? You know, because all of a sudden the next, the next life, well, I'm not going to get in the celestial kingdom because I'm not married, because I'm not going to have a family. And I'm like, you know, I just don't know that God's that hung up on that. I just really don't think so. I am. Um, and then I was reading Isaiah or Daniel and, you know, and Daniel was a eunuch and here is a prophet. He never had a family. He didn't have any kids. And my friend's like, well, yeah, but the eunuchs didn't have a choice because God said to the eunuchs, he's like, I, I have a special place for you, you know, because of what you went through and how you've gone through this. He's like, I have a special place for you. And to me, that spoke to me as a gay man, God has a special place for me because I don't have a family. I didn't procreate. And my friend's like, well, yeah, they were eunuchs. They didn't have a choice. And I'm like, I don't have a choice. That's how I feel. For, because for me, if I were to go get married, I, I, it just wouldn't be fair to, it wouldn't be fair to my wife. It wouldn't be fair to her spouse because I'm not attracted that way. I could love. Yes. I could be compassionate. Yes. I could have all those things, but, um, I, I just, I just wouldn't feel right. You know, I'm just doing, I'm just doing this to check a box, you know? And it's like, that just, that doesn't apply with me but it might for somebody else. And that's okay. That's how it is. It's like, well, I can get married and I can love them. And I can, you know, sex is our most desirable of all the fruits, <laughs> you know, it is, that's a gift from God. And you know, what I learned in my life also, and, and in that community was, um, I abused that gift. And, um, and the fact that I made it through that healthy is by the grace of God. But I, you know, I just, uh, back to that question, you know, I wish I don't, I don't really know what to say to them. You know, Christ loves you. Christ wants you back. And does, we can't get hung up on the, the church doctrine, you know, and sometimes I think the doctrine's a little hard and I'm still new to all this, like doctrine and covenants. I have a hard time and I put it down. I'll go read Psalms or something else because <laughs> I just, it's just, it's just too hard. And here we have a loving, forgiving God, but then it doesn't take God, our God doesn't take any crap. <laughs> you know, he's like, well, there's, there are no, there are no loopholes. I've looked, <laughs> I've searched, you know, I'm like, if there's a loophole, I was going to find it, you know, and there's just not, he doesn't care what, that we're gay. He just cares what we do with it and how we behave. And we have to keep our moral standing. We have to keep our moral standards. And as far as the other kingdoms go, I just had to stop. I can't worry about that. I have to worry about this life right here. And if God wants me to be a ministering angel, I'm good with that. If the next life comes around and I am um, get to have a family and do those things and this test was for something bigger that I do not see which I'm pretty sure is um, I'm good with that and some days suck and some days are lonely and some days are dreary and tearful and just you know and you know and um but really for the most part it all narrows down to him to God himself you know what what does God want me to do I made a commitment to serve the Lord and um and my brothers and sisters need to go away for a time, I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to love them. I'm going to tell them that God loves them. And I, I don't care if they're a drug addict. I don't care about same-sex attractions. It doesn't matter what it is. What matters is, because people, people are leaving the church for all kinds of reasons. I think, I think the LGBTQ community is probably one of the biggest, and that's such a, such a hot topic right now. You know, and I don't know that I want to go, go screaming up and down the aisles with a rainbow flag, you know, you know, so, okay. <laughs> you know, I definitely don't think that's the answer, you know, but I, I think the fact that, okay, me as a gay man, I can go to the temple, I can go to the church, I can, you know, I can do everything that everybody else is doing, you know, and I can go do service in the temple for other members, for other families, for other people, you know, and some of this is just, 
I'm learning to let it be bigger than myself. And I'm going to just second what you said at the very beginning, which is, I just don't think God gets hung up on some of these things. And I believe that every single person is celestial material, not because we're good enough, but, but because Christ is good enough. And going back to what you said at the beginning, he just wants us back. We don't have to do perfect. We just need to do loyal and get really good at repenting because we all have our crosses to bear. And so I recognize that uh, my, my perspective is different than, than many, but I just feel like, you know, we just got to think bigger. God's ways are higher than our ways. He's a smart guy and he's going to figure this out. Oftentimes I just feel like what it is, is that our vision is just, is too myopic really, as President Nelson said. <laughs> I love that. Well, you know, and that, that makes me think all the time. All the time. It's, um, if it starts getting too complicated, remember this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Therefore, I learned to love myself by loving my, other, my neighbor. And Jesus is just happier showing up. He doesn't, it doesn't matter where or what. Just as long as we're focusing on him, just, he's just happy we're there. You know, mm -hmm. religion gets complicated. I don't care what church it is. It just can get complicated. It's like Christ isn't complicated. He gave us a new law. The first part of the new law covers the first part of the 10 commandments. The second part covers the next part of the 10 commandments. And, you know, and just, we know what to do, you yeah. know, and he's going to let us know what to do. And if we're messing up, well, the spirit's going to convict you and tell you, and oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think you're spot on about that too. If we get into the weeds of right. more peripheral doctrine, um, and some people might say, well, this isn't peripheral. I mean, this is the doctrine of the family. But if we can focus on, yes, those two great commandments to love God with all our heart and to love our neighbor, boy, and to do our best to, to make and keep covenants, then all of the other stuff that can really frustrate and confuse and overwhelm people, it, it all just goes away if we can focus on the two great commandments. Right, and God, right, this is secondary. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I think that your life is a testament to that, really, as we're kind of closing up. I just feel like it's clear as you have shared your story that God has been working in your life from the beginning. And that even though you may have not felt the, your self-worth the love was always there and the Lord was hanging on and just waiting in the wings for you to come back and receive more of a fullness of his love and the spirit. And I think that there are great blessings to come for you, Leland, as you continue on this path. It's hard. It's a cross to bear. Yet we all have crosses to bear and, and we are promised blessings and and peace beyond anything we can comprehend as we just trust in our savior. And I love that testimony that, that your life is of that principle. I've enjoyed this time so much Leland and I appreciate your faith. And I'm just curious in all of this, as hard as it's been some days, as you said, are, are long and dreary and lonely, but why are you still rowing and choosing faith in Jesus Christ and his restored church? because I believe he has something for me to do. I don't want to be the man that I was. I want to be the man that God has me, that God's plan for me. I, I don't know how to word it. 
And I just, I just really believe he has something for me to do. I, I didn't survive all of this for nothing. And I didn't come back to him for nothing. Even if this reaches one person and they can change somebody, that was worth it right there. <laughs> you know, if they could just turn back, turn their heart back to the Lord, you know? I'm so right because God's awesome. <laughs> He's a good shipmate, right? <laughs> <laughs> sure pulls me up and out of the water. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Leland. Thank you for Appreciate me. your time and testimony tonight. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Still Rowing Podcast. If you would like a little daily motivation to keep rowing, you can find me on Instagram at churchofjesuschrist underscore sr underscore podcast and on Facebook at churchofjesuschrist sr podcast. Also, if you've been enjoying this podcast, if you would go to iTunes and leave us a rating and review, that would help us spread the word about still rowing. Thanks again for listening.